Ladies and gentlemen, for a more authentic presentation, portions of the program you are about to hear were actually recorded on the scene. The story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. A gang of hold-up men have been running loose in your city. They've committed more than a dozen robberies. They're heavily armed, quick to shoot. Your job, stop them. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima is doubling and redoubling its smokers. So, if you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Saturday, July 21st. It was hot in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way back from the record bureau, and it was 6.55 p.m. when I got to room 27A. Robbery detail. Hi, Joe. You ready? Let's go. Where do I dump this top coat? It's too hot out tonight for that. Yeah. The rest of the guys take off already? Yeah, we better hustle. How many men are working this thing tonight? Must be at least 50, covering every drugstore in the South Central area. Uh-huh. Which one did we draw? Naomi and South Alameda, Rex Pharmacy. Yeah. Parking lot across the street, we can cover the pharmacy from there. Well, we better check out a Thompson from the business office first, huh? It's a good idea. We might as well be ready. They are. Who got the tip the gang was moving into the south end of town? It's Johnny Powers, one of his informants. Okay, here we are. Business office, Blair. Yeah, I'll take care of it. Thanks. Hey, Barry, do you want to check out a Thompson for us? Okay, Friday. Have you done it? Yeah, kind of. Has a sign-out book. Thank you. Hey, you might as well give us a shotgun while you're at it, Blair. Okay. Check these out for an hour. Sounds like a busy night for you fellas. <laughs> Maybe. Thompson's okay. So's the shotgun. Want to sign up for the shotgun too, Joe? Yeah. Okay. One Thompson. Submachine gun. One 
shotgun. You got those serial numbers there, Blair? Yeah. Uh, Thompson 67811. 67811. Yeah. Shotgun 655228. 55228. Okay. Signed. Joe Brady. Serial number 2288. Ben Romero. What's your serial number, Ben? 2633. Oh, yeah. 3633. Six shells for the shotgun, 50 shells for the Thompson, okay? All right, I'll sign for him. Okay. Gang's pretty rough, I understand. Gun heavy. Yeah, that's what they tell us. Okay. Here's the book, all signed. Okay. Here you go. A lot of firepower there. Yeah, hope you don't have to clean them when we bring them back. went down to the basement of the city hall, picked up our car, 80K, and drove out to Naomi and South Alameda Streets. We located the parking lot and pulled in. There were four other cars parked in the lot so we wouldn't be conspicuous. Ben and I got in the back seat out of the light. From our vantage point, we had a clear view of the entrance to the Rex Pharmacy across the street. We had the shotgun and the submachine gun on the seat beside us. We listened to the calls coming on the radio, and we waited. It's no cooler here than business office. Yeah. Hot and sticky, huh? Yeah. Paper says it's going to be worse tomorrow. Roll down your window, will you, and get some air in here? Yeah, huh? The pharmacy isn't doing much business. Not more than a dozen people in there in the last hour. No soda fountain, I guess. Mm, sure is hot. You have to talk about it, huh? Hey, hell. What time you got? Ten minutes to ten. No smoke? No, thanks. Yeah, I'll get it. That gang's going to show up here. Wish they'd get it over with. Ours might have got a bum tip. Well, the gang hasn't missed a weekend for two months. Mm. I wonder how much time the average cop spends waiting. I don't know. Put it all together and make a fine vacation. Mm-hmm. What do we do, sit this out till the pharmacy closes? Yeah, 2 a.m. It's hot. Yeah. Midnight came and passed. The traffic on South Alameda thinned out. Only an occasional customer entered the pharmacy across the street. Ben kept complaining about the heat. We waited. Well, that's it, Joe. I go to the lights. Drugstore's closing. Yeah, the guy's locking the doors. There he goes. We might as well shove off, too. Yeah. Let's get in the front seat. There's not much call for this shotgun tonight. No use checking it in. Same duty to mine, eh? Mm-hmm. Attention, all units. All units in the vicinity of eight. On the corner of Hill and Geneva Alley, a 211 and shooting, code 3. Hit the light. Yeah, come on, let's roll. Sunday, July 22nd, 2.15 a.m., Ben and I pulled up at the Merchant Security Trust Company on the corner of South Hill and Geneva Alley. Two patrol cars were already on the scene, and four uniformed officers were trying to keep back a crowd of people who had gathered at the top of a flight of marble stairs, which led off the street, down one flight to the bank's night depository. At the bottom of the stairs, an elderly man was sprawled out face down, his right arm twisted under him. The man was dead. Ben counted five bullet wounds in the victim's back. We interviewed the only witness, a young sailor. My name's Vasey, Sergeant. Uh, Don Vasey, quartermaster, second class. Here's my ID card. You saw the shooting, Vasey? I was about a half a block away. I just came out of the bar down the street there, the top hat. Yeah? Had a couple of beers, and I left, and I started walking back to the hotel. When was that? About uh, five after two. Mm-hmm. Go on. Well... 
before I got to the corner, I saw this man ahead of me. He uh, crossed the street and headed over for the bank. Then this car pulled up and some guys got out. They ran over to the man and it looked like they were frisking him. Yeah. All of a sudden, I heard shots. The man ran for the stairs here, and then it looked like he stumbled and fell. A bunch of guys jumped back in the car and drove away. What'd you do then? Oh, I ran up to see what I could do for the old man. He was lying down there where he is now. Nothing I could do for him. I yelled for a cop. Did you get a look at the men in that car? No, I just saw him from a distance. Uh, four of them, maybe five. What about the car? Did you see the license number? The last couple of numbers, that's all. Six, nine, nine. Couldn't see the rest. Mm-hmm. What was it, a coupe or sedan? A sedan, maroon color. It was a Pontiac, either a 1940 or 41. You sure about that? I used to own one back in Delaware, 1940 model. I sold it to my brother and I went in the Navy. I'm sure all right. And you're sure about the number of men in the car? Oh, yes, sir. Uh, four or five. No more. I see. Thanks. Well, will you drive back to the office with us and give us a full statement? Sure, Sergeant. Anything you say. You can wait in the car, Vasey. We won't be long. Sure. Well, what do you think? Uh, I don't know. Drugstore gang? Said there were four guys. Could be. No description. Maroon car. Three numbers off the license plate. Pretty thin. Yeah. Looks like a hard summer. We completed our preliminary investigation. The coroner arrived and the body was taken to the county morgue in the basement of the Hall of Justice. The victim was identified as Walter Conroy, the proprietor of the Flowerland Dance Hall on South Hill Street. Together with officers Fremont and Hearst from Homicide, Ben and I spent most of Sunday tracking down employees of the dance hall and interviewing them. We sent a rush teletype to the Department of Motor Vehicles in Sacramento containing the partial license number, plus our scan information on the car, which the suspects drove. Early Monday afternoon, Ben and I, along with Captain Ed Walker of Robbery Detail, met with Chief of Detective Stad Brown. What kind of a motive are you working on? Robbery. A dance hall manager, Conroy, was on his way to the bank's night depository when this bunch caught up with him. He had the night's receipts with him from the dance hall. How much did they get, Walker? Uh, $350. They missed over a thousand Conroy had in an inside pocket. No idea who uh, pulled the stick up? Could have been that drugstore gang. Why them? Well, they haven't missed working a weekend night for two months. There's no sign of any other job that they might have pulled Saturday. Just a hunch, Chief. Nothing to go on. We'll have to guess our way for a while. Uh, Sacramento checking the description of the car, the uh, numbers off the license plate? Yeah, ought to have an answer this afternoon. Uh, any leads on the drugstore gang at all? Plenty. None of them good. Suspects are loaded down with guns. That's all we know. Excuse me. Brown speaking. Uh, just a minute. Friday's for you. Okay, thanks. I reached over here. Friday. Yeah, Ralph. How many? Yeah. Okay, thank you. Well, I got an answer from DMV Sacramento about the holdup car. What'd they say, Joe? Well, they looked up the possible combinations of 1940 or 41 Pontiac sedans with the numbers 699 in the license plate. Yeah? 123 possibles to check. Not much choice. No car of that description on the hot list. The killer might be the legal owners. 123. Well, even after we check them, we still might not have the right party. That's right. If we've got a better lead, we'll work on it. Nope. Well, then ride this till it falls apart. For the next 13 days, Ben and I, Fremont and Hearst from Homicide, plus a half a dozen other men, hacked away at the list of 123 car registrations, any one of which could have been issued to the holdup car. The color of the sedan didn't help us much to start with, since California vehicle registrations do not include the colors of the cars. After 14 days of gradual elimination of possibles, the field was narrowed to six, then four, 
Men 2. August 6th, Monday, 5.30 p.m. Ben and I were called to Thad Brown's office. Gentlemen? You uh, check out that last possible yet? About 20 minutes ago. It didn't pan out. What about Hearst and Fremont? They had one left. Right here. Could be the answer. Yeah. 1940, Pontiac Sedan, license number 4XA699. Last registration, San Diego. Sounds good. We teletype to San Diego police. They say the car's been sold to a woman out in Santa Monica. Mm-hmm. Anyone checked her? Well, that's what I want you two for. San Diego and Santa Monica. Well, it's in the right area. Can't afford to miss now. I hope it's the right one. Well, it's got to be. Check it. Ben and I checked the woman in Santa Monica, Mrs. Fielding. She told us that she had sold the car six months before to a friend who lived in Bakersfield. We contacted her friend. He told us the car had been traded in by him to an auto dealer in Pasadena. We checked the dealer. He said the car had been sold off his used car lot two months before. The new buyer had given his name as Amo Thurston. Two names were given as reference, Lloyd Newton and John Lacombe. We ran a routine check through the record bureau. Fellas, there's the packages. Get them, make for him? On all three. What'd you find on Thurston? Uh, let's see. Thurston, two-time loser, second time up to Q on five counts of armed robbery. On parole from Quentin now. How about the other two? Well, the comb. Let's see. Preston Reformatory, two terms, went up three years ago, violation of Dyer Act. He's on parole, too. What about Newton? Did you make him? Uh, two terms in Oklahoma. They're looking for him now at jump parole. Can I look at that just a minute, Frank? I'm sure. Uh, I've got all three of them. Take a look, Ben. Each one of the mama sheets on these three guys. Yeah. Uh, right here under General M.O. See? Mm-hmm. Thurston. Heavily armed at time of arrest. Yeah. This one, Lacombe. Huh? Heavily armed. This one on Newton. Same thing. I'm happy. Yeah. Come on. At the time he purchased the car, suspect Emil Thurston listed his home address as 1517 North Hoover Avenue. Previous robbery victims positively identified Thurston and his companions. At 1517 North Hoover, the landlady also identified Thurston and his companions as tenants. She told us they drove a red sedan and they parked the car at a Temple Street garage. An immediate stakeout was placed on the apartment house, and we started the canvas of Temple Street garages from Hoover Avenue down to Rampart Boulevard. At 4 p.m., Ben spotted the car in Donnelly's garage on Temple Street near Michigan Drive. The garage attendant told us that the owner of the car had given his name as Emil Thurston. We showed him the mug shots. Yeah, used to park his car in here a while back. Then he came in yesterday morning with these two guys and said he wanted a paint job. Hmm. Doesn't look like he needs a paint job to me. They offered me 20 bucks extra if I do it in a hurry. He wants the car painted green. When's he going to call for the car? About 10 o'clock tonight. These jobs take time. He's not going to like it if the car's not finished. He won't like it if it is. Come on, Ben. listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. Now, here is an authentic report from Fatima Cigarettes. 
1949, Fatima doubled, tripled, and quadrupled its smokers. In 1950, enjoy Fatima yourself. You'll find Fatima extra mild. Because Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobacco superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. You'll find Fatima tastes much better. Fatima's superb blend gives you a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. You'll find Fatima tops in cigarette quality. Fatima has always stood for the best in cigarette quality. For a new year of greater smoking enjoyment, buy Fatima in the appealing golden yellow package. You'll agree, Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. p.m. Tuesday, August 7th. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown and Captain Ed Walker swung the entire robbery detail into action. The stakeout at the apartment house on North Hoover continued. An additional detail of men was stationed in a vacant store on Temple Street directly opposite Donnelly's Garage. Donnelly's Garage was a small family outfit, and the only spot from which we could cover it thoroughly without being seen was from a large paint locker set up against the right wall. The garage man cleared enough room so that Ben and I could fit into the locker in a half-stooped position. Two small latches were rigged up so that we could pull the doors closed from the inside. Four ventilation holes at the top and bottom of the doors provided us with peepholes. At 8 o'clock that night, Ben and I took our places inside the locker. The trap was set. We waited. Can you see all right, Joe? Yeah. It's hot in here. Stale air. Tight fit. I'm getting a clamp on my shoulder. What time did that garage man say he closed? 11 o'clock. Mm, those lousy paint smells. <coughs> Stuff it. Mm. Hey, that car pulling in. Can you see the driver? Wait a minute. Uh, it's nothing. Somebody getting gas. Mm. Hope they show up. Wouldn't want this to go on another night. Well, don't count on it. What's going to sleep? Why don't you stand still? What time you got? Let me see. Get the light on in here. Ten minutes to nine. Thanks. The popular conception of the working detective rarely includes a glimpse of his everyday run-of-the-mill duties. Filling out forms, conducting interviews, or waiting long, monotonous hours parked in a car or standing half-crouched in a garage paint locker. It's slow, dull, and tedious and it's 95% of the police officer's job. By 10 o'clock that night, there was still no sign of Thurston and his friends. The cramped locker got more cramped with the passing minutes. The air was thick with paint fumes. We waited. At 10.55, a taxi pulled to a stop in front of the garage. Three men got out. You see him, Joe? Wait till they step into the light. There's another guy still in the cab. Here they come. There's the first guy. Yeah, it's Thurston. Fourth guy's getting out of the cab. That looks like Newton, doesn't it? That's him. Yeah, it's Lacombe right behind. Fat guy. Here they come. You sure do look before. All right. Unlatch your door, but don't open it. Yeah. <laughs> Quiet, Ben. What's the matter? Not just stuck. Wait a minute. Did you get it? No, it's really stuck. All right, tap it with your gun stock. Come on, easy. There. There it is. It's loose. Good. You see where they are now? Yeah, talking to the garage man. Not looking this way. 
Oh, just stay that way, huh? You ready? Okay. Don't tip him off till we're right on top of him. Let him get away from that garage man, huh? Right. All right. Let's go. Approximately 25 or 30 yards separated us from the suspects. I glanced across Temple Street at the vacant store where Thad Brown and the other men were staked out. 25 yards is a long way to walk when you're approaching a murderer and you know that he won't hesitate to kill you in order to escape. Ben flipped the safety off the machine gun. We were almost halfway across the garage, 15 yards away. Thurston turned and saw us. Look out, Joe! Stop, Ben! I got one of them! They ducked behind the car, went up the stairs, three of them. Come on! Right. Where'd they go? Up the stairs. Over. Up this way, Joe. Yeah, watch it, Ben. Get out. There's somewhere back in that corner up there. You're trapped. Throw down your gun. All right, Ben. Give it over. Throw down your guns. Throw them down. Three of them. Six of them. All right, now come on down with your head behind your head. Cover me, Ben. I'll frisk them. Right. You up on the end. Get your hands back of your head. All right, stand still. All right, next one. Go on. Clean. All right. Look home. Watch him, John. All right, you. Rest of your stand back. Keep your hands up. You all right, Joe? Yeah. Two more guns on him. All right, you two. Hold it. Here comes Chief. Yeah. I'll get these guns together here. Lacombe. He's not much of a fighter. Not without a gun. The suspects were booked at different divisions to keep them separated. Emil Thurston and Lloyd Newton were taken to Hollenbeck Park and booked on suspicion of armed robbery and murder. John Lacombe was booked at Highland Park Jail on the same charges. The other suspect, who had been wounded in the escape attempt, was identified as Harold Steves, 19 years old. He was treated for a leg wound at Georgia Street Receiving Hospital and then transferred to the prison ward at the county hospital. During the next two days, each of the suspects was questioned individually. Thurston, Lacombe, Newton would admit nothing. The 19-year-old Steves broke down and agreed to turn state's evidence. We took his statement to Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. Gentlemen... What did the boy tell you? Just about everything, boss. They pulled the drugstore holdups and they killed that dance hall owner, Walter Conroy. Which one of them? Well, the kid says Thurston shot him. He says Thurston's the gang leader. Good. You finally got a count on those guns you took off them? Yeah, 12 of them. Each one of them was ready to go, bullet in every chamber. Did you get a complaint from the DA's office yet? They were arraigned. Preliminary hearing set for Monday. Fine. You got them in jail, I'll put them in prison. The apprehension of the criminal doesn't mean the end of a case for a police officer. He spends just as much time helping to convict the criminal after he's caught. Evidence must be gathered and authenticated and presented to the district attorney's office. If confessions are possible, they must be obtained and put in order. The officer must also help out in formulating the case and in testifying at the trial of a suspect. On October 30th, almost three months after the Thurston gang was apprehended, they were brought to trial in Superior Court. It was a routine affair. Harold Steves took the stand and told the story of the gang's activities. The victims identified the suspects and testified to the robberies. Both Ben and I took the stand and testified to the arrest and possession of guns by the defendants. We received no cross-examination. 
On the morning of March 2nd, the case went to the jury. Ben and I had lunch with Lieutenant Rombo from robbery in the city hall cafeteria, and it was five minutes past one when we got back to the office. Well, it sure was good soup today. Yeah, it was a nice lunch. You want to check the mail? I didn't, Jim. I'll get it. Robbery Friday. Yeah? When? Right. Lacombe and Thurston. They just broke jail. Within seven minutes, a dragnet for the escaped criminals had been thrown around the entire city. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown directed the operation. At 14 minutes past one, he called us to the photocopy room. The machines were turning out duplicate mug shots of Thurston and Lacombe for distribution at the rate of one every four seconds. You want us to stand by, Chief? Uh, for the moment, yeah. We got all the help we need on the street. How'd they pull the break, anyway? He slugged the deputy when he brought in their lunch. He used a steel leg from one of the benches in the prisoner's tank. Yeah? And they beat the deputy right into the ground, but he held on to Newton. He didn't get away. Well, how'd Thurston and Lacombe ever get out of the building? He's a real freak. They slugged the elevator man and got down to the basement. Uh-huh. Right then, an ambulance crew was wheeling a body in the morgue. The attendant left the ignition keys in the ambulance. Shouldn't be too rough to track them if they're in an ambulance. It's tougher than you think. How are those copies coming, Frank? Fast as we can make them, Chief. Have another batch for you in a minute. You had any reports at all yet, boss? Couple. They're moving fast. Frank, you want to get that? I can't see in this dark room. Yeah, I'll get it. Yeah? Chief Brown in there? Yeah, come on in. Now, Walker, what do you got? Uh, kill that dryer, will you? Oh, yeah. Now, what do you got? Gas station out on Sunset. Lacombe and Thurston just held it up. We picked up our car in the city hall garage and drove out to the service station on the corner of Sunset Boulevard and Lorraine Drive. Detectives Ruiz and Stromwall from robbery were already on the scene. The two escapees had abandoned the ambulance there, robbed the station of $56 in currency, and stolen a 1938 Gray Packard coupe. License number 7 Robert 6336. We left the station and started to cruise the area. It was 1.55 p.m. Attention all units. Attention all units. Get it up, Jill. 1947, trial was held in Superior Court, Department 91, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California. In a moment, the results of that trial.
It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to Fatima. Here are the actual figures. New York Division. Fatima sales up 132%. Chicago Division. Fatima sales up 453%. Los Angeles Division. Fatima sales up 545%. Yes, in 1949, more and more smokers discovered that Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. They found Fatima extra mild. They found Fatima has a much different, much better flavor. They found the name Fatima means the best in cigarette quality. In 1950, enjoy Fatima yourself. Best of all long cigarettes. Emil Thurston, John Lacombe, and Lloyd Newton were convicted of first-degree murder and robbery and sentenced to life terms. For turning state's evidence, 19-year-old Harold Steves received special consideration. As a result of the jailbreak, Thurston and Lacombe were convicted of assault and escape. They are now serving life terms in the state penitentiary. You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the office of Acting Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Dragnet honors the city of Pasadena, state of California, and the men who make up the Pasadena Police Force, another of America's great law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Chief of Police Clarence H. Morris, traffic specialist and veteran police administrator, dedicates his life to making yours more secure. Fatima Cigarettes, the best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet, portion transcribed from Los Angeles. Be sure to hear songs by Morton Downey tonight on NBC. Hi, everyone. The holiday season is upon us, and I'll be glued to the telly for BritBox on many a night. I've already shared with you the fact that I keep up with Father Brown and Poirot at BritBox. I also check out their new stuff, like the new series Archie, which tells the story of Archie Leach, otherwise known to millions of filmgoers as Cary Grant. This story comes from his daughter Jennifer Grant and ex-wife Diane Cannon. It's a series. The performance of Jason Isaacs, who plays Cary Grant, is top-notch. I highly recommend it. You can only find it on my favorite TV, BritBox. Sign up to BritBox today to stream Archie and other fan favorites today from any device. I have a special limited-time offer for my U.S. and Canadian listeners. Get 50% off your first month when you sign up for a monthly plan, but only if you go to BritBox.com and use my promo code 1001STORIES at checkout. Don't wait. Get 50% off your first month. Just use promo code 1001STORIES at BritBox.com. Try it. You'll like it. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ladies and gentlemen, the story you are about to hear is true. Only the names have been changed to protect the innocent. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, brings you Dragnet. You're a detective sergeant. You're assigned to robbery detail. Two armed bandits have robbed a large jewelry store in your city. One of the suspects escapes. One is apprehended. He's identified as a friend of yours. Your job, send him to prison. If you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobaccos superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. And that's why Fatima has a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. That's why Fatima is doubling and redoubling its smokers. So, if you want a long cigarette, smoke the best of all long cigarettes. Smoke Fatima. Dragnet, the documented drama of an actual crime. For the next 30 minutes, in cooperation with the Los Angeles Police Department, you will travel step-by-step on the side of the law through an actual case from official police files. From beginning to end, from crime to punishment, Dragnet is the story of your police force in action. It was Tuesday, February 8th. It was cold in Los Angeles. We were working the night watch out of robbery detail. My partner's Ben Romero. The boss is Thad Brown, chief of detectives. My name's Friday. I was on the way over from the city hall, and it was 8.35 p.m. when I got to the second floor of the Georgia Street Receiving Hospital. Treatment room. Joe, hi. Hi, Doc. Ben, how's it going? Okay. It hurt for a while. Doc gave me an injection. Six of a grain of morphine, Novocaine injection. Bullet still on your shoulder? Doc's about ready to take it out. As soon as I get the wound cleaned, here's the soap and water, nurse. Alcohol sponge, please. How's it look, Doctor? Well, there's the x-ray, shallow penetrating wound in the deltoid area. Mm-hmm. Slugs, larger than the soft tissue right here. Oh, yeah. No bone involvement. Okay, the bullet was spent. That's good. Feel okay? Sure. Nurse, methylate applicators, please. Thanks. Let's see now. Where'd you leave Tyler, Joe? Interrogation room. Reynolds and Thompson are with him. Let me have the probe, nurse. Yeah. Feel anything, Romero? No. That's it. You hear that? Hear what? Located the slug with a probe. Oh. Nice. Close it. Thanks. Here we go. Oh, steady. You call your wife? No, she don't know where I... Here it is, boys. Want a market for evidence? Yeah, give it to me, will you? I will. Nurse, sterile saline solution. Here, get the wound. No sign of Tyler's partner, huh, Joe? Guy got me? No, not yet, no. 
Stell dressings, please. How long did you know this, Todd? Before he went wrong, I mean. I met him in the Army. Helped him line up a job when he got out. It's too bad. Sure is funny. Meeting a friend of yours pulled an armed robbery. Must have surprised you, huh? Yeah, kind of. You want me to drive you home when the doc's finished, here? Let's go back to the office and talk to Tyler first. Okay. Is that all right, Doc? No. You're staying right here, Romero, till tomorrow morning. If you haven't got a temperature by then, I might release you. Oh, well, it's only a flesh wound, Doc. I feel all right. I'm not taking any chances with gunshot wounds. If infection set in and you were laid up, I'd have the pension committee to answer to. You're staying here. Sounds like an order. It is. You can pick him up in the PNF ward tomorrow morning. Okay. You gonna need anything, Ben? Yeah. A phone to tell my wife I won't be home for dinner. His name was Max Tyler, white, male American, age 32. Dark hair, brown eyes, medium build, married, father of twin boys. He was a friend of mine. We served together in the Army overseas, and when the war finished, I came back to my job on the force, and Max went back to his old job. It didn't fit him anymore. He stopped working and started drinking. His wife didn't help much. Max started with small trouble, but it grew fast. On the afternoon of February the 8th, Tuesday, Ben and I surprised two men holding up a Main Street jewelry shop. Shots were exchanged, and Ben received a flesh wound in the shoulder. One of the hold-up men escaped. The other one was apprehended. His name was Max Tyler. Hi, Larry. Hi, Joe. Glad you got here. Tyler says he won't talk to anybody but you. Okay, boy. Thanks for standing by. Sure. I'll be outside if you need anything. Max? Joe? You're in deep this time. You shot a cop. I didn't. There's a guy that was with me. I didn't fire once. You were in on the job. Yeah. Then don't expect presents. I don't expect anything, Joe. Glad you came back. I, I don't want to talk to those other cops. I work in the same department they do. Same job. Well, it's easier to talk to you. What's your story? I was crazy to try it. No alibis, Joe, but I, I didn't know what I was doing. Believe me, I, I just didn't realize... I won't buy it, Max. You told me the same thing 14 months ago when they picked you up for those bum checks you were passing. Sure, I hung some paper, but I'm no hood, Joe. You know that. Uh, I was drinking. I needed dough for Dorothy and the kids. You gotta believe me. I need a break. You said that before, too. I went to bat for you. got off with six months and three years probation. Now you turn up with another caper. I know, Joe, I know. I'm sorry. You're sorry once, Max, and it works, but one free ride's enough for anybody. Now, that's it. Did I say I wanted that kind of a break? I'll, I'll serve my time, Joe. I'll serve every day I owe. I and mean, what can you tell me you couldn't have told the other cops? I want to ask you a favor. Yeah? I know you're going to hook me on this. So while I'm doing my time, Dorothy and the kids are staying with relatives out in Inglewood. If you're... Well, just keep an eye on them, you know, Joe. I don't mean dough. Dorothy can work with... Kind of watch out for him, huh? Give him a break, Joe. It's not their fault. We do it, Joe? Yeah. Sure, I'll take care of it. Now, you do something for me. Anything you want, guy. Let's have the straight story. Who was the guy with you on that holdup this afternoon? Cresta, George Cresta. You know him. Out of Folsom? Short guy, black hair? Yeah, yeah. He's got a room above the Red Owl Bar down on East 3rd near Broadway. That's where he hangs out. Where can we find Cresta now? Oh, maybe there. I don't know. I'll give you a list of the places he goes. Some of his friends I've met. He sure wrote me in. Said there wasn't going to be any rough stuff. You were carrying an S&W 38? Sure, sure. When they got outside the jewelry shop, Cresta jammed the gun in my hand. I had to put it away, get it out of sight. Believe me, Joe, he roped me into this. It sounds like an alibi. No, This but is I your could... second time around, Max. It sounds like one. Okay, I got nothing coming. 
Don't forget about Dorothy and the kids. Huh? I promised you. Now, you want to give me a full statement on the holdup now? Anything you say, Joe. I'll call for a stenographer. Joe. Yeah. I'm sorry. I am. I believe you. You got the feeling too late, that's all. Max Tyler was arraigned in municipal court two days later. Bail was set at $10,000. Three days after that came his preliminary hearing in municipal court. At his arraignment in superior court, five weeks after he'd been apprehended, Tyler entered a plea of not guilty. A date was set for his trial in superior court. Meantime, the hunt for George Cresta, Max's accomplice, went on. There wasn't a sign of him. Our informants had no lead on him, and the all-points bulletin containing all the information we had on Cresta brought in nothing. On Monday, March 22nd, the trial of Max Tyler was held in Superior Court. Ben and I were subpoenaed to appear. The victim of the holdup, the jewelry store manager, was the first to testify. He was questioned by both the prosecutor and the counsel for the defense. He left the stand at 11.25 a.m. If it please, Your Honor. Counsel for the defense. Before the next witness testifies, I'd like permission to approach the bench. Permission granted. Counsel from prosecution, we also... Wonder what that's all about, Joe. <laughs> Something's up. Hello. Hmm? Judge is shaking his head. Public defender's going back to the counsel's table. Uh. Counsel for the defense. Your Honor, it is my client's desire to change his plea to guilty. Oh. Defendant rise and face the court. Max Tyler, is that your true name? Yes, Your Honor. On the 12th day of March of this year, in Superior Court, Department 83, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California, you have heretofore been arraigned on the charge of robbery in the first degree. At that time, you pled not guilty to the charge in question. Is it now your desire to change that plea? Yes, sir, it is. You've reached this decision of your own free will? Yes, I have. There's been no force employed, no promise of gratuity or reward to induce you to reach this decision? No, sir. Counsel for the prosecution. Yes, Your Honor. Max Tyler, on the 12th day of March of this year in Superior Court, City and County of Los Angeles, State of California, you are arraigned on the charge of robbery in the first degree. That time you entered a plea as set forth in this information. How do you now plead? Guilty or not guilty? Guilty. Is it stipulated that at the time of the commission of the robbery, the defendant was armed with a deadly weapon to wit a revolver? So stipulated. Court to fix the degree of robbery is robbery the first degree. Your Honor, in the interest of justice, the people move to dismiss count two, assault with a deadly weapon. At this time, Your Honor, the defendant waives time for sentencing and asks that he be sentenced immediately. Just a moment. <coughs> Max Tyler, it's the judgment of this court that on the 8th day of February of this year, you did enter the premises at 23108 East Main Street in the city and there did attempt the felonious taking of personal property in the possession of another from his person in immediate presence and against his will. Further, said attempt was made while you were armed with a dangerous and deadly weapon. Now, Tyler, uh, this court finds you guilty of robbery in the first degree. Count two is dismissed. Does it, Joe? Decision of this court that you be returned to the county jail. The sheriff will transfer you to the state penitentiary where you will serve the sentence as prescribed by law. Hey, Joe. Miss hmm? Tyler over there. She's taking it pretty hard. Yeah, come on. We better go see her. Hello, Dorothy. I love him, Joe. What am I going to do without him? Children. I'll give it to you straight, Dorothy. 
You didn't do much to keep Max out of this. You drank right along with him. You don't Joe, deserve those kids. That's my opinion. Please, I know it. Don't make it any harder. Don't. I'll do anything I can for the kids, Dorothy. That's all. What am I going to do without him? I can't be all alone without Max. It's not right. It's not right. Neither is armed robbery. Goodbye, Dorothy. Before the end of March, Max Tyler was delivered to San Quentin State Penitentiary where he started serving his term. His wife, Dorothy Tyler, got a job as a telephone operator. She and her children continued living with their relatives down in Inglewood. I helped them out whenever I could. Six months went by. Every two weeks, faithfully, Tyler wrote me a letter from prison. I answered most of them. While Ben and I worked on other jobs, the search for George Cresta went on. We failed to uncover a single lead. Ten months passed. Tuesday, January 16th, 1949, 4 p.m. I checked in for work as usual. Hi, right, Joe. Cold out, huh? Yeah. Did you pick up the mail? Mm-hmm. There's a letter in your box from San Quentin. Tyler, huh? How's he doing, anyway? Good. Clean record. Got himself a pretty fair job in the prison library. Yeah. I talked to the warden up there. Says Tyler ought to be eligible for parole in about a year if he keeps his nose clean. You going to bat for Tyler again? I don't know. See what happens. How can you see anything in that guy? He's giving you nothing but trouble. Oh, a lot of people are giving him the same. Maybe that explains it. Not for me, it doesn't. I wouldn't trust him with dirty laundry. I get it. Robbery Friday. Oh, Joe. It's Dorothy Tyler. I got to talk to you. Yeah, Dorothy. What's the matter? I found Cresta. I saw him. What? George Cresta. I know where he is. I saw him downtown. I followed him to his place. You sure it was him? I'm positive. He's staying at 134 Jesse Street. It's a rooming house just off Alameda. 134 Jesse. Got it. Thanks, Dorothy. Come on, Ben. Eight minutes later, Ben and I were interviewing the landlord at 134 Jesse Street, a cheap rooming house down on the south end of the city. The landlord's name was Peterson. We showed him Cresta's mug shot, and he told us he was in room 11. We went up a dark, narrow stairway to the second floor. Stand clear. I'll try the door. Mm-hmm. It's open. Yeah. Joe, have a look. He's asleep. He's passed out. Come on, slip the cuffs on him. That was easy. Yeah. All right, I got his gun. He's been drinking all right. He'll have a big hangover. He'll have a long time to get over it. George Cresta was booked at county jail on suspicion of robbery. Two months and three weeks later in Superior Court, he was tried and convicted of assault with a deadly weapon and first-degree robbery and sentenced to the state penitentiary. The day after Cresta was sentenced, I was called to the office of Chief of Detectives Thad Brown. Friday, this Max Tyler is coming up for parole in a couple of months. He's a friend of yours, isn't he? That's right, in a way. You've been writing letters to the warden. You've talked to the parole board about him. Understand you're helping on his kids. A few presents. They haven't had much of a break. They're just youngsters. You're working hard to get Tyler's parole. Do you think he's worth it? Well, I was off both him and his wife, and, and then she gave us that tip about Cresta, and Tyler's got such a good record up at Q, I figured they'd earned another chance. You're sticking your chin out, Joe, helping a con to get a parole. I think you'll realize that. Well, I believe he's a good risk now, Chief. He's pretty weak in some things. He needs direction, that's all. His wife's getting better. She might help more than she did. I hope both of them are worth it. If anything happens, I know I'm going to get it from all sides. You really think some men deserve another chance, don't you? Yes, sir, I do. I wouldn't want you working for me if you didn't. Two more weeks went by. Tuesday, April the 19th. Ben came down with a bad cold and had to lay off work. 
At the same time, a new gang started a hold-up campaign among the liquor stores out in the Wilshire district. A new rash of armed robberies broke out in the central area. It was an attempted bank robbery. It was a bad week. Ben got back to work on Saturday. Rough time, huh, Joe? Busy, yeah. Did you beat that cold all right? Sure, I feel much better. Doctor gave me some new medicine. Works good. That's fine. Maybe I'll knock off early tonight if nothing's doing. That's a good idea. Shouldn't be too much tonight. Teletype for you. Just came in. Oh, thanks, Larry. Sure. What's the matter, Joe? What is it? Max Tyler. He broke out of prison this morning. You are listening to Dragnet, authentic stories of your police force in action. And now, here's an authentic report from Fatima Cigarettes. In 1949, Fatima doubled, tripled, and quadrupled its smokers. In 1950, enjoy Fatima yourself. You'll find Fatima extra mild. Because Fatima is the long cigarette which contains the finest Turkish and domestic tobacco, superbly blended to make Fatima extra mild. You'll find Fatima tastes much better. Fatima's superb blend gives you a much different, much better flavor and aroma than any other long cigarette. You'll find Fatima tops in cigarette quality. Fatima has always stood for the best in cigarette quality. For a new year of great smoking enjoyment, buy Fatima in the appealing golden yellow package. You'll agree, Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. In the course of his career, the police officer is afforded two diverse views of the criminal. At first, the rookie cop is taught to distrust the criminal at every turn, without exception. He's schooled in the thousand and one ways in which the criminal operates, his psychology, his mode of operation. Then, when he's thoroughly acquainted with the methods of the criminal and how best to detect them, the police officer starts to learn the most difficult lesson of all, how to distinguish between the confirmed criminal and the lawbreaker, in whom there is hope of rehabilitation. After nine and a half years of police work, my first experiment in this field was with Max Tyler. I'd given him two chances to prove himself, and he'd lost on both of them. So did I. Two months before his parole hearing, which might have given him his freedom, Max Tyler had suddenly decided to escape. How he figured it, I didn't know, but it was my job to find him. At five o'clock that afternoon, Ben and I met in the chief of detectives' office. Two officers, Holland and Grayson, from the state adult authority, escape detail, were there. How did Tyler manage his escape, Grayson? Same old story. They figured they could trust him up there. He had a good job on the prison farm. They trusted him. When did they find out he was gone? On the early morning count. Have you checked his relatives out in Inglewood yet? Yeah, we have. We've got the home staked out. We're covering all the places we figure he might go. How about Mrs. Tyler? You get in touch with her Friday? Her relatives told us that she's on a weekend vacation with the two kids, staying with friends down at Laguna Beach. We got a call in to them. Should be hearing from them soon. I understand Tyler's a friend of yours, Friday. He was ready for parole. Yeah. I was trying to help it along. I thought the guy deserved a break. He didn't need you, Joe. He made his own. Well, no use feeling bad. You weren't the only one fooled Friday. You had the prison officials buffaloed, too. Yeah, I know. I helped convince them. You got any leads on Tyler at all, Grayson? I mean, from the time he broke prison? Pretty strange. They traced him as far as Stockton, then they lost the trail completely. The Stockton police in on the search? Yeah, sure. Funny. The guy has no money, no car we know of, no change of clothes. You figure he's getting help from somebody? Could be. Excuse me a minute. Brown speaking. Oh, just a moment. You, Friday. Oh, thank you. Friday. Yeah. When? Uh, where? Uh, just a minute. Will you hold on, please? 
It's the Tyler's friends down at Laguna Beach. Mrs. Tyler there? No, she called them last night about 7 o'clock, told them she'd changed her plan. She wasn't coming. She told them where she was going? She wanted to know which highway would take her to Stockton. We told the Tyler's friends in Laguna Beach to contact us immediately if they heard from either Mr. or Mrs. Tyler. We got out an APB on Dorothy Tyler, and then we drove out to interview her relatives in Inglewood. They told us that Mrs. Tyler had the two children with her. She had left their house at 6 p.m. the night before by taxi. As far as they knew, she didn't own a car. We talked with some of her friends in the neighborhood. The only thing they could tell us was that she had not borrowed a car from any of them. We drove down to the telephone exchange where she was employed as an operator, and we spoke with a manager, a Mr. Ralph Cartwright. I'm sorry, gentlemen. This is Mrs. Tyler's night off. Is there something I can help you with? When is Mrs. Tyler due back at work, Mr. Cartwright? Well, she's working the uh, 10 to 7 starting tomorrow, due in at 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. We understand that she's on a weekend vacation, huh? Yes. You see, today was payday, so she asked me if she could have her check ahead of time. Said she had to have the money for the weekend. Did you give her the check? Oh, my, no. I couldn't give her the check ahead of time. But I did do her a favor, just to help her over the weekend. What was that? I loaned her my car. We got a complete description of the car, together with a license number, and called the office. The information was broadcast to all units throughout the city and teletyped to all points in the state. Chief of Detectives Thad Brown ordered an immediate stakeout on the telephone exchange where Mrs. Tyler was employed. The stakeout at the home of Inglewood continued. Another day passed. We checked with the bank where Mrs. Tyler maintained her account. It was 10.25 a.m. when we got back to robbery detail. Gentlemen, what'd you find out? Miss Tyler closed her account three days ago, withdrew all her savings, $46.55. I'm not going to go far on that. Any word about that car she borrowed? Teletype came in about an hour ago. They found it just outside Santa Barbara, abandoned. Anyone see the Tylers? No reports. I wonder how those poor kids are making out. Yeah. He must be crazy, and his wife, too. If she was going to help him pull an escape, why'd she have to drag the kids along? That's the way some parents figure, Friday. They owe their children nothing. The children owe them everything. Call for you, Friday. Take it on two. Oh, thanks, Larry. Friday. This is Hopkins, Friday, on stakeout, the phone exchange. Yeah, Bert. Tyler woman came for a check. We got her. Dorothy Tyler was brought into the city hall, where there was one of her children. He was delivered to the juvenile authorities for the time being. Mrs. Tyler was brought to the interrogation room. She refused to admit anything to the officers from the adult authority. She said she wanted to talk to me. I went in. She threw her arms around me and started crying. Don't. Joe, you won't let him get Max, will you? You won't let him. I'm after him as much as they are, maybe more. Where is he? I can't tell you. Why'd you do it, Dorothy? Why? Oh, you know why, Joe. You know why. I had to see him. I had to be with Max. It's a bum deal. You traded days for years. But they can't get him. If I don't tell them where he is, they won't find him. They'll find him. He's got to eat. So do you and the kids. He has to go to work, and working with a gun is all he knows. He'll leave a trail. We'll find him. Children? What have they done to the children? Where's Jimmy? They're taking care of him. That's more than you did. Where's your other boy, Vance? With Max. Max has him. Oh, that's fine. You and Max ought to be real proud of yourselves. I had to see him. You know that. I had to see Max. Has he got a gun? <laughs> has he? Yes. Has he used it? No. He just thought he might need it. He hasn't hurt anyone. I swear it. You helped him escape, is that right? You helped him. He needed help. I met him at San Rafael. We drove all night. 
He didn't hurt anyone, Joe. He hasn't hurt anyone. Where is he now? Where is he? All right, Dorothy, we'll find him. Joe, if I tell you, if I tell you, will you go alone? I can show you the way. Will you go alone? Yeah. All right. I'll take you to him, Joe. I trust you. Yeah, I trusted him once, too. 5 p.m., Monday, April 25th. Dorothy Tyler, Ben, and I got in the car and headed north for the coast town of Santa Maria. Acting under orders of Chief of Detectives Thad Brown, Larry Thompson from Robbery Detail followed in another car. Holland and Grayson from the State Adult Authority were with him. It was ten minutes past eight when we drove through the town of Santa Maria. Just outside the city, Dorothy Tyler directed us to turn off onto a dirt road. We drove about two miles. She told us to pull up. Across that field. Shacked by those trees. It's lonely out here. I'll go with you, Joe. Maybe Max won't understand. Oh, uh, you stay here. Joe, that car. The car stopped here. It's cops, Dorothy. It had to be. They won't shoot unless Max does. But you promised. You said you'd go alone. I'll go alone. Friday? Hello, Grayson. Where is he? She tell you? That shack over there across the field by that clump of trees. He's got one of the kids with him, that right? Yeah, he won't be any trouble. He's armed. The con's up at Quentin. Say he won't be taken alive. They say he'll shoot it out. They talk a lot. You better let us take him. You're not getting paid to do for this one. I'll take him alone. I made a promise. That guy in the shack's in the habit of breaking promises. I keep mine. Keep an eye on Miss Tyler, will you, Ben? Thompson's watching her. I'm coming with you. I told her I'd go alone. There's two doors, front and back. Which one are you going in? Front. I'll be around back. Careful, Jim. Yeah. I'll be right back, Grayson. I started to cross the field. The shack was about 100 yards from the road. The field was uncultivated, and I wasn't sure of my footing. I stumbled over a tree stump. Halfway across the field, the lights in the shack went out. Who's that? Who is it? It's me, Max. Joe Friday. Max? Come on, open up. All right, Max. Why the gun, Joe? I never thought you'd take me with a gun. I never thought I'd have to kick down a door to get you. You've changed a lot, Max. How'd you find me, Dorothy, tell you? Where is she? Outside. Your boy over there, Vance. He's sleeping. He's okay. Put out your hands. Put out your hands. Sorry, Joe. Yeah. You, you've been good to us. I won't try to explain. Neither will I, Max. Come on. The story you have just heard was true. Only the names were changed to protect the innocent. On June 2nd, trial was held in Superior Court, city and county of Marin, state of California. In a moment, the results of that trial. It's amazing how many long cigarette smokers are changing to Fatima. Here are the actual figures. 
New York Division. Fatima Sales, up 132%. Los Angeles Division. Fatima Sales, up 545%. St. Louis Division. Fatima Sales, up 548%. Yes, in 1949, more and more smokers discovered that Fatima is the best of all long cigarettes. They found Fatima extra mild. They found Fatima has a much different, much better flavor. They found the name Fatima means the best in cigarette quality. In 1950, enjoy Fatima yourself. Best of all long cigarettes. Tyler pleaded guilty to the charge of escape and was sentenced to the term as prescribed by law. He was returned to San Quentin and then transferred to Folsom Penitentiary, where he is now serving his sentence. You have just heard Dragnet, a new series of authentic cases from official files. Technical advice for Dragnet comes from the Office of Acting Chief of Police, W.A. Wharton, Los Angeles Police Department. Dragnet honors the state of California and the men of the California Highway Patrol, another of America's outstanding law enforcement agencies. One of these men, Highway Patrol Commissioner Clifford E. Peterson, outstanding administrator and educator in the field of law enforcement, dedicates his life to making yours more secure. Fatima Cigarettes, best of all long cigarettes, has brought you Dragnet from Los Angeles. Be sure to hear Mr. and Mrs. Ronald Coleman in the halls of Ivy starting tomorrow on NBC.